All right, folks. So <laughs> uh, when I sat down to answer questions last night, I had the idea that I would be able to run through them quickly. I did not realize you guys had asked a million questions and that I like to be long winded in some of my answers. So instead of putting out an hour and a half long episode, what I did was I split it into two. And so you're going to get a bonus episode here. Uh, the first part already released uh, is my conversation with uh, Kenny. And then the second part is just me answering uh, your questions. So, again, I just wanted to make it easier to consume. So uh, I'll drop the ad here in just a second and uh, enjoy these. Uh, there were some great questions, actually. So I, I had fun answering them. I actually did some research for some of them, it's the off season now, so I can I can talk about free agents, I can talk about trades, I can talk about getting rid of people on the team. Um, so yeah, it's gonna be a lot of it's a lot of good answers. I think I think you're gonna like some of the stuff I say. I think you're gonna be mad about some of the stuff I say. So enjoy. Uh, by the way, I guess I need to say uh, Bibs Corner Podcast episode thirty one. folks welcome back um do hope you enjoyed the conversation with kenny i think we got into a lot of good things uh maybe you guys understand them a little bit better and uh <laughs> can release that block or mute button um but anyway i, I got a ton of questions i kind of put the the question the, the feeler out to see if i can get a couple and i got a ton but um that's fine I, i'm I'll, I'll i'm gonna try to answer them in a more efficient manner, I actually wrote my answers out or at least made notes for them ahead of time. Because usually what I do is I'll compile all the questions into a list and then I try to answer them after reading them uh, so that it's, you know, fresh and train of thought. But what I've noticed is that I have tended to ravel more recently, not ravel, good Lord, ramble. <clears throat> recently when it comes to uh running through those responses so hopefully this will be a, a much cleaner experience uh because there are a lot of questions so let, let, let's get right into it so the first question actually comes from uh wool Zay, and it's actually not basketball related uh he asked uh after watching tenet do you enjoy movies that demand to be rewatched? Nolan makes a lot of them. And uh, so I did <laughs> watch Tenet tonight. I have made two trips now out to the theaters in the past few days. I'm going to take a, a bit of a break for a, a while to kind of lay low. But um, I did watch Tenet. Very intense movie. Uh, nonstop action um, a lot of like dialogue scenes where they're they're on the move the whole time or things are happening the whole time and you may not even fully fully understand but you get the idea and somehow that works like you don't have to fully understand to care I mean to 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 enjoy the movie enjoy the ride um, <clears throat> with that said there are some twists there are some like callbacks to things earlier in the movie near the end. And so, yes, this is a movie that has uh, rewatch potential to, to either make sure that something that they uh, bring back at the end lined up or made sense or whatever the case may be. So um, 
with that said, the first movie that comes to mind when you talk about enjoying movies that demand to be rewatched, <clears throat> Get Out was a huge example. I watched that movie three times in theaters, not just to support or whatever the case may be, but because after watching it the first time, you want to go back and see, you know, did did I miss something or uh, there were so many different little references like I had literally multiple large group discussions about this movie, like finding little different details, every single line of dialogue, every piece of action, everything in that movie had two, three different meanings. It was ridiculous. Uh, Jordan Peele earned that that Oscar uh, for the screenplay. Um and then even this year, Invisible Man, I watched that movie three times. There's just so many. Uh, I, I love when I when I see something and, you know, the first time you watch it, you're trying to wait to see what's happening. And then after that, you can go back and watch it knowing what's going to happen, but trying to check to see if you missed anything subtle or whatever the case may be prior. Uh, so definitely enjoy a movie with, with rewatch value. Uh, next question comes from Nick Rob, and he said... <clears throat> oh man, this is a little out of pocket. Who is the horniest Mav? And um, <laughs> uh, based on the fact that I only know of one Mav who has a Tinder profile, I'm going to go with Dwight Powell, um, the infamous Tinder pick. And apparently, ladies love smooth Dwight or whatever. Uh, I don't understand, but ladies love Dwight, so good for him. Uh, I'm not going to watch another man's uh you know what i'm just gonna move on uh the next question comes from the don luca and he went for for a big one here what city that isn't seattle do you think deserves a team in a future league expansion if and when there is one or if slash when there is one so i think everybody wants seattle to get a team again um the city deserves it and <clears throat> I think that's fair. Uh, if there's an expansion, I would imagine that if Seattle's going to be one of the teams, I would want the other team to be in the East. Obviously, uh, you could move Memphis or, or one of those other teams to the to the East, but instead, I would rather see like a team pop up in the East. What I did for this particular question was I went to the U.S. population chart to kind of see. What areas have large pop? What cities have uh, the largest populations, and then obviously don't have a team? So then, from there, I got like a short list. Uh, Vegas was the first one that came up, but they're in the West and they have a WNBA team now. I kind of think I want the Aces to kind of hold it down in Vegas for a while. Um, the next team, the next place that came up was Louisville or Louisville, uh, depending on who you are. So Louisville, Kentucky um, is the next biggest city, and that would technically qualify as an Eastern. They they would uh, have a nice natural rivalry with Memphis uh, as far as location. But I actually uh, think that I like Louisville being a basketball town. So I would, or a college town, I should say. So I wouldn't, I don't think I would go there either. Next answer, next city was Baltimore. 
And I mean, if you know me, you know, I'm a Ravens fan. You know, my family's goes back to Baltimore. Like I have family there now. Um, and I would love to have a, a team there, but Baltimore is very close to Washington, D.C. And for this list, I also ignored Texas and California and any state that already had a team. Um, when making this list, uh, Maryland doesn't technically have a team, but like I said, D.C., Baltimore is like 15 minutes away from Baltimore. Uh, I don't see the point in having two teams right there on top of each other. So I kind of wanted to shy away from from doing that, even though I'm a homer uh, on that. And that would be amazing. Uh, the next city was Kansas City. And I'm not a huge fan of the, the Midwest, personally. Um, they have a football team. They have a baseball team. They don't need a basketball team. Let's move it on forward. Next city is Omaha. Uh, same thing. Midwest. Nobody wants to be. <laughs> nobody wants to live in Omaha. That would be pointless. Uh, the next city, and I think this is my winner, was Virginia Beach. So, uh, my dad actually lives in the Virginia Beach, Norfolk, Chesapeake area, and uh, I mentioned those other two cities, Norfolk and Chesapeake. Norfolk, Chesapeake, Virginia Beach, they're all like right there clustered together. Uh, they're all in the top 100 cities. Uh, Virginia Beach being in the top 30, I believe, like right at the 30-ish line. And so I think somewhere in that area would be perfect for um, a team. It's it's a city that's, that's growing, or it's an area that's growing and expanding. Uh, it's far enough away from D.C. to kind of be its own place and it's halfway between charlotte and dc so like there's a huge gap in that area of the country as far as basketball and you know that's acc country still too so i think it's just a a perfect fit right there to to throw a team virginia beach area it's a nice area um and geographically it, it makes sense uh, the other two cities I consider were Wichita and St. Louis. Again, Wichita, nobody <laughs> wants to be in Kansas. And then St. Louis, mm, they got enough going on. So Virginia Beach is my winner for for an Eastern Conference team. Um, Virginia Beach, Chesapeake, or uh, Norfolk, that area. Um, anyway, let's see. Moving on. Next question comes from Don Denham. Over at the MFFLs, he said, uh, who's your favorite defensive disruptive guy that is also kind of an asshole, current NBA or all time? And when I did this list, I wanted to make sure I wasn't forgetting anybody. And secondarily, I wanted to make sure I chose somebody that I've actually watched for pretty much most of their career. Um, There are a lot of 90s guys that I consider for the list, um, but I ended up settling on two guys that were actually teammates at one point, uh, Rashid Wallace and Ben Wallace. So obviously I enjoyed that Pistons team. Um, but Ben Wallace, something about the fro, the big swole dude, the, the short center that was battling in there with the tall guys with the ridiculously long arms. I don't know if I ever heard him say a word, but he just looked mean Anytime he came in there, nobody wanted to mess with him. Loved Ben Wallace. 
uh, that was that was my my guy and just his story as well coming from a, a small college and being able to do what he did have the impact he did on the league was amazing um, and then Rasheed Wallace like huge biggest mouth uh, stepped up in big moments played hard like I, I enjoyed Rasheed Wallace his entire career great play- I, I, I'm a huge fan of Rasheed Wallace I was one of those people that felt like he was a guy who could have been more dominant than he was if he chose to be type of thing. But he did what he had to do to to get points or to get the W's. Um, So, yeah, Ben Wallace, Rasheed Wallace, you can go either. I can go either way. Uh, This next question actually comes from the homie, uh, my friend Josh, who's actually not really on Twitter. He kind of twatches. Uh, he's got an account, but he's not really out there tweeting. Uh, but he asked me, based on the level of play in the bubble before slash during the playoffs, do I think the eventual champion should have an asterisk by their name? So coming into the bubble, I wasn't sure. Uh, I was kind of on the fence on how I felt about, you know, how how this should be viewed. But as we've gone along in the playoffs, I can't really say that anything shocking has occurred. Um, first off, you look at the, the play-in scenarios and the seeding. Um, I was already on Team Blazers getting the eighth seed. Like I felt like if the season had not stopped, the Blazers were on their way to that, to that eighth seed. Um, the fact that they were able to get a healthy-ish get uh, Nurkic back and get Collins back until he got injured. Um, that made me, I mean, obviously that, that boosted their chances. Like they literally were able to get the eighth seed outright technically and with a shortened season. So imagine if they had had like a regular length season. Um, then as far as the seeding went, like you didn't really see any teams end up in a surprising seeding situation. You know, Lakers, Clippers, Nuggets, Rockets, Thunder, um, Jazz, Mavs. Like, the the rest of those teams pretty much landed where people expected them to land for the most part. Same thing in the East. Uh, the Bucks clearly earned that number one seed. Um I don't even know who who is the two. Oh, Toronto earned that two. Uh, Boston earned the three. Um, the Pacers. I mean, they were they've out they performed higher than they should have all season. Uh, them and the Heat seem destined to end up together. The Seventy Sixers underperformed. Like that's none of that stuff was shocking. So as far as who made the playoffs, perfectly fine. Then once you get to the playoffs, again, I don't think anything shocking happened. So far in the playoffs, as far as people winning series, all the it's been pretty much chalk. So if the best better team wins, you can't really say that anything bad has happened. So then we get to the second round right now. The Bucks are down 0-2 to the Heat. But if uh, you were listening to the pod a few weeks ago, or actually, you know what? I think I got into this when I talked to when I did my guest appearances with uh, old buddy at Edmund the Slayer. And then also on uh, Corey's podcast as well, uh, the Heat were one of the teams that were mentioned as being able to give the Bucks trouble because they they play hard. They're they're a cohesive unit, 
and they got Jimmy Butler at the end of the day. Uh, they got a closer. So, again, even if the Bucks lose, I'm not putting the asterisk. The Bucks have played trash pretty much all bubble, but they had also started to play pretty bad in the regular season before the, the season was paused. So, again, nothing alarming has occurred at this point. I don't think th- you could put an asterisk by it just to make sure you mention the circumstances that the players were playing under. The fact that the season paused for several months and then came back. The fact that they had to be in a bubble situation where they saw each other every day. They ate in the same places. They couldn't necessarily get the food they wanted. Uh, They couldn't be around their family the way they wanted. They couldn't roam the streets. They couldn't go to nightclubs and pick up groupies. Like, all that's gone. Like, it's straight up basketball. Um, So, again, the asterisk can be there just to make sure you understand the circumstances 50 years from now. But as far as, like, devaluing the championship, I don't think so. Um, If anything, it should increase the value because of what you overcame to get there. Um... Moving forward, next question comes from DTX underscore 11, who asked, who do you think gets traded? And so I assume this means who on the Mavs gets traded. So I actually created a hierarchy of the top five candidates to be shipped out. And of course, this has to be someone who's under contract. Uh, so the first number one guy on the list of people that is probably being shopped heavily is going to be Delon Wright. Uh, just didn't fit. Doesn't work for what we're trying to do. Uh, it was a good idea. Uh, it was a desperate kind of idea. I don't think he's big enough to be that off-ball wing defender that we want beside Luka. And he wasn't decisive or forceful enough as the guy off the bench, Trey Burke, came in and ate his lunch, took his job right from him. Uh, so DeLon, definitely big big, big time on the block. Um, secondly is Justin Jackson. I don't think anybody actually wants him. <laughs> but uh, maybe we can ship him to one of these teams that has, you know, empty roster space. Uh, he's only $5 million on the contract. And um, maybe we can use that five million to make the money work in another deal that we pull off. Uh, but we'll we'll see how that goes. Uh, but I think he's very very expendable. Uh, number three on my list is actually somebody who's probably going to upset some people, and that is Jalen Brunson. Again, he has a very very small contract, like less than two million dollars, and obviously he's a good player. I think that. I said it, you know, as soon as we draft. I said it his freshman, freshman, rookie year that I feel like he's a guy. I compared him to Kyle Lowry. I really liked him as a player coming out in the draft. I think he can be like a backup point guard on a really, really, really good team. And a guy that could be a spot starter for that team to like if the the starter goes down, he can pace him. And maybe eventually he can be uh, the starter on on a playoff team if he's got a lot of good players around him that can handle, like, the scoring and things like that. I think he can be a floor general type. Uh, obviously, he's proven that in college, and I think he has the, the, the mind to get that done at the NBA level as well. Um, I think he could be a piece that helps entice a team to take somebody else that maybe isn't as sexy 
uh, going forward for their team. So, for example, if we end up having to trade number four on my list, Tim Hardaway Jr., because he opts into his mega contract, and then we have an opportunity to go after somebody, a disgruntled guy with a big contract in another city. Maybe we sweeten that Tim Hardaway Jr. package by throwing in uh, a guy with some some long-term potential in DeLon Wright. Um, or DeLon Wright, Jesus Christ. Jalen Brunson. <laughs> so that's, that's why I think Brunson's high on the list, just because I think he holds actual value that can entice somebody to take one of our less valuable guys. Um, and then I already mentioned Tim Hardaway Jr. was number four on my list. Number five on my list is actually Seth. And I love Seth. You know I love Seth. But I think he has a very tradable contract. Uh, he's kind of in the same situation as Brunson where he's a valuable piece uh, because of what he's able to do, one, but also because his contract holds a little bit more weight to it to make money work if we're trying to swing the f- for the fences after a big-time guy like a Bradley Beal. I don't think anybody's going to complain if we have to throw Seth in to get Bradley Beal. Like, I think <laughs> you'll get over it at some point in time. Uh, and that's pretty much it. That's, that's my top five. Uh, I, I could go further, but I don't want to. Uh, moving forward, the homie, Jay Montelli. Back with another another uh, pretty, pretty uh, I can get a straightforward answer on this one. Uh, he asked, what do the Mavs need to do in the offseason to take the next step? Um, and actually, you know what? I'm going to answer his bonus question first. Bonus question was Whataburger or Culver's. Uh, I love Whataburger. Uh, whenever I get to Texas, whether it's Dallas, Houston, in the airport, I usually grab Whataburger first thing as soon as I land. Um yeah, anytime I go to Dallas or te- Dallas, anytime I go to Texas, period, I gotta get Whataburger. If I if I don't get Whataburger and I stopped in Texas, it was a wasted of waste of a trip. Like even when I went to California, the there was a layover in Texas, and uh, I had to do that. So uh, I've never actually had Culver's, so that's that's not really a fair competition. Um, and then for your your real question, what do the Mavs need to do in the off season to take the next step? Um, I said two things, another full-time big who defends and rebounds, uh, and then a secondary scorer slash ball handler that can get 30 on any given night to help Luka out in the backcourt. I think we saw in these playoffs that when Luka's not creating everything, our offense gets very stagnant, and we can't have that. We need to be able to relieve Luka some. We need to be able to have Luka get a rest when needed, we need to be able to uh, control the game if Luka gets in foul trouble or whatever the case may be. We need another guy that can score 30, that can dish the ball, that can get in the lane, all that stuff. And if that person plays defense, even better. Uh, and then again, like I said, another full-time big rebounder defender. I'm not saying necessarily we need to get a big money guy, but a guy who we know can go out there every night, get us two blocks, uh, intimidate people in the paint, catch lobs, uh, or get dunks off the pick and roll, whatever the case may be, that can play 25, 30 minutes depending on the matchup. Moving forward, next question comes from a new handle, I believe, uh, Selwyn, S-E-L-W-Y-N underscore Robbins. Uh, says, do you see acquiring a third consistent score or big man depth as more of a dire need going into the offseason? And so I'll put that one after the last one because it kind of, makes me be more specific. Uh, I think the more dire 
need is going to be for that that secondary score. Uh, and I know you said sec third. I'm guessing you mean behind KP, but I'm not sure KP can be a dependable two at this point in time. I think we need a guy who is equal to and or better than KP on a consistency basis and get them buckets. So again, it's all about for me. It's all about relieving Luca. And another big doesn't really do that. However, that scoring wing does. Uh, if you heard my talk with Kenny, then you know. That's something that both of us are fully in on. Could not care less about Luka getting triple doubles or scoring 30 points a game. Uh, we know what he's capable of when it, the time comes, but he shouldn't have to do that every night. Uh, that's not a, a formula for long-term success. Shout out to James Harden. Um, the next question comes from Rain underscore Zilla. He said, uh, Brunson and Dodo's development going forward and how they can be used to make the enforcer that the Mavs need. So I'm not 100% clear on what that question is asking. Like, do they is, are they asking if either one of those people can be the enforcer that the Mavs need? And I will say no to that. I don't think Brunson's big enough to enforce anything. And I don't think Dorian Finney-Smith is uh, big enough either as far as, like, being strong enough and I don't think he's that that fiery type of guy Uh, as far as their development I think Dorian has shown every single year he comes in a little bit better on the shot Uh, I would love to see him continue to work on the shot Uh, I think he was hurt this year by having to play so much at the four I would love to see him get to slide back down to the three a lot more often um, so that he can fly around more uh, crash the glass and not necessarily hurt the team. I think that the small ball puts way too much pressure on him to do things that aren't necessarily in his wheelhouse. Um, and then Brunson, I've already talked about, I think he's got to be a trade chip. Uh, top three, in my opinion, people to get moved out. Um, I think Burke has already kind of pushed him out and the team is already talking about bringing Burke back. I don't. I think there's redundancies between Burke and Brunson. Um, and if we, if again, Luca's moving that timeline up, uh, we know Burke is ready. We don't know if Brunson is. Uh, otherwise, like I said, I think he could be a great backup, pace the team, floor general type. Uh, just don't know if it's going to be in Dallas. Next question comes from not Donnie forty one. Said uh, he wanted to ask last time, but if Tim opts in, do I expect him to be traded if he opts out? Do I expect him to re-sign or walk? And if I have time, do I have a trade package uh, that I like? So, I mentioned this on the last podcast. I think I mentioned it on this one in my conversation with Kenny. There's a high probability that Tim Hardaway Jr. gets the Dwight Powell treatment where we uh, encourage him to opt out with the promise that we're going to sign him to a longer term deal for less money. What kind of money? I don't know. Does that hurt us long term? Perhaps. Um, but I think that's probably going to be what we're going to desire to see from him. However, if he decides to opt in instead because he wants his coins and he wants them now, I do expect them to be traded because that bigger contract get, puts us closer to acquiring one of those veteran wing types that I mentioned earlier. Um, the veteran disgruntled or 
people who are on a kind of on a time limit on being able to cash in on their their abilities and get to the ring and the Mavs Luca's ready so we need to get some people around him that are also ready uh, and if that means break, ruining a relationship with Tim Hardaway Jr then so be it um Let's see. As far as who those guys are, I actually went and did some research on this one. <clears throat> so at the top of my list would be Drew Holiday. He has 26 mil on his deal next year. And then I think he is 2022 or going into, yeah, 2022, he'd be on an option for 26 or 27 mil again. Um, bring in Drew on that deal. He technically becomes an expiring the following year. You chase a big money free agent, re-sign Drew, Drew, Luca, big time free agent. Uh, let's say Gobert. Let's say um, Giannis, KP. Like who's messing with that team? Um, Maxi or Dorian Finney-Smith at the three, depending on who the matchup is. Come on, man. Uh, Drew Holiday is my guy, uh, a guy who can guard one through three easily, potentially four, depending on who the matchup is, uh, a guy who can handle the ball away from Luka, a guy who can get to the bu- bucket and score, that he's the specimen. He is the the ideal guy. And as far as why New Orleans would be interested in doing that trade, um, our timeline is ahead of theirs. They're not anywhere near us right now you say what you want i don't think they're anywhere near us uh drew may see the writing on the wall and say you know what i need to cash in now in these next couple of years and try to get this ring so uh all in on that what what it would take tim hardaway jr's contract uh probably both of our picks uh 18 and 31 maybe an additional future pick um and then maybe a young guy like Jackson to make the money work or Brunson or both as well. So I think that they have a youth movement over there. And I, I think Drew could be attainable for that reason. Uh, next guy on the list is Oladipo. He's 21 mil, expiring and disgruntled. Uh, might be able to get him straight up for a Tim Hardaway Jr. with maybe one sweetener, like the 31. Maybe 18 might be needed. Um Maybe Jalen Brunson, whatever the case may be, probably one sweetener on top of Tim Hardaway Jr. Because I think Oladipo wants wants a new a new home, and um, the team may be ready to move on from him as well. Uh, third guy on my list is actually Norman Powell. I'm not hundred percent sure what the situation is going to be in uh, Toronto, but again, another guy I think is attainable. And fits the bill. Uh, Karis LeVert is another guy on that list. Uh, he's got, I think, three years, 16 mil on his deal. But after seeing what he did in the bubble, is he going to want to play behind Kyrie necessarily long term? Maybe not. Uh, they got Dinwiddie there as well. Is there is there enough room? Are there enough basketballs? Um, I think LeVert could be an interesting interesting guy to, uh, to, to go after. Um, then obviously the big one, Bradley Beal, uh, he's got a real long-term deal with gigantic money owed to him. But if he asks to be traded to Dallas, what are they going to do? 
Um, we probably would have to throw together a ridiculous package as well for that, something like the OKC uh, Paul George deal. Uh, Gary Harris, I doubt he's going to be easy to get either, but he's a guy you have to look at. Buddy Heald, another one who's disgruntled. And then DeRozan, the last guy on the list, uh, he's got a $26 million expiring contract as well. Older guy, uh, Spurs probably not thinking they're going to leap us anytime soon. So, uh, again, I'm not in love with any of those guys at the bottom of the list, but Drew, Oladipo, those are the two I would really, really focus in on as far as uh, starting out. Uh, where are we at? Next question comes from 0011Mavs. Do we let go of culture guys like THJ, Powell, Maxi, Lee, Berea? To focus on getting better pieces around the stars. Also, do you think we can find any suitors for Jackson or Wright? Do you think Willie Colley Stein resigns with us? How hard do we go after Burke? A lot of questions there. <laughs> uh, so first of all, I think Dwight Powell is probably safe. They love him. Maxi probably the second most safe. I think THJ, Lee, Berea. Lee and Berea, goodbye. They're old guard we don't we're not gonna fight for them thj is tricky because of his contract we don't really fully control that situation uh, i think willie collie stein is also gone um his opt-in would be for two mil i think somebody probably will pay him more than that and he'll probably opt out uh how hard do we go after burke i think pretty hard i think there's already probably been discussions behind the scenes about him re-signing uh, the question is, if somebody else steps in to offer him a bigger deal than we're ready to pay, that's that's the only thing that's going to stop him from being in Dallas. Um, that's pretty much it. I've knocked that out pretty quickly. Hey, moving on. 0011Mavs had a second question. and said, forgot to add, everyone is talking about trading Brunson. That would be me. Uh, so what are your thoughts on that as well, since he's going to be a big core guy for our culture to come to? Goodbye. Uh, he can play a bigger role somewhere else. Burke pushes him out. Um, I'm the culture is Luca. <laughs> that's that's what it comes down to. The culture is Luca, and uh, getting Luca to the rings as fast as possible. All right. Next question comes from Eric's E R I X two one zero six nine. Said, uh, "Who are the top five enforcers the Mavs should acquire to protect Luca like Oakley did for Jordan and Ewan?" And so for this question, I actually went to the free agent list for the first time uh, this year. Uh, and the first guy on the list for me is Jay Crowder. Former Mav, can shoot the three, strong, can guard the big wings. Uh, I think Jay Crowder has to be at the top of that list. Uh, second on the list is Montrez. Say what you want about what happened in this Clippers series, but... He's one of those guys that if he's on your team, you love him. Uh, as far as his performance, you have to probably imagine he was a little bit rusty. And we can use him how we want to use him when he comes back. So Montrez number two on the list. Number three is Aaron Baines. Big body, not afraid to mix it up. And he's foreign, so we, you know we like that. <laughs> uh, fourth on the list, Abaka again. Uh, veteran. Uh, can hit the three. Which y'all, I know y'all like in your big men. And um, again, another guy that will mix it up. Number five on my list is actually Dwight Howard. He's gotten a little chippier in his old age. 
and I like what he could add to this team from a bigger dimension. Bonus is James Johnson. I don't know if he's good enough to get the playing time we would want him to get, but I do think he fits the bill there. Uh, everybody knows his resume. Then not too many people are going to mess with him. This question section has gone very long. Um, we're getting near the end, as you can see in your 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 countdown. So, Sport Guy Junior. Any way we can steal Drogic in free agency for Miami seems unlikely, but who knows how much they can pay him with other stars out there. So they probably will be big game hunting in the offseason, and that can be where we swoop in. I have to believe that there is a large incentive for Goran to try to get to to Dallas to play with Luka. Um, And there's no way that he won't be considering that option this offseason. No way. Uh, S77G underscore. If possible, what will we have to give up for Drew? So as you heard, I already talked about it. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, it's probably going to be both picks this year. Uh, whatever players we need to match salary. So Tim Hardaway, if he opts in. Um, DeLon, if, if Tim Hardaway doesn't. Uh, maybe Seth, with that which would suck, but you gotta do what you gotta do. Um, probably Delon, Seth, maybe Brunson, and uh, maybe an extra future pick as well. So uh, I think that will be a price I'm willing to pay to get a Drew Holiday into this team, especially if we're already gonna be resigning Burt. Kind of makes the sting of losing Seth hurt less. And then maybe we can get another shooter as well. Um, maybe we can get J.J. Redick in that deal. Who knows? Um, whatever. Both picks, players to match the money, and a future pick, most likely. Uh, Frankie B underscore 89 asked, What is the likelihood that we go after a Bradley Beal type player? I don't think we have what it takes to pry him from Washington after seeing what Oklahoma got for Paul George. OKC set the market for what can be received for a player of George slash Beals type. So this was addressed during the conversation with Kenny. And um, I also mentioned it earlier here on the podcast, but we're 100 percent making that call if it's clear that Beal is going to be dealt. Uh, Like you said, I don't know if we have the assets. Maybe we need to get another team involved. Um, who knows, but I do think we're making that call. I I can't say that we're going to be successful, but we're going to make that call. And then finally, the big question of the night, MFFL 7741. After seeing their playoff performances so far, do you think Giannis and Harden are still better than Luka? I think Luka is the second best player behind Kawhi right now. To that, I say, come on, man. <laughs> First of all, I don't know if I really said that. They're better. If you're saying that, if you're saying that, if you're asking that question because of the MVP rankings, MVP and better player rankings aren't necessarily the same thing. I was not expecting Luca to end up in the top three for the MVP ratings. Because of the whole respect and youth and not having done anything in the playoffs yet. That doesn't necessarily mean that I think that 
James Harden is better or I mean, I'm going to say Giannis is better. But it's kind of hard to like if they play one on one, I'm not picking Luka to beat Giannis one on one. So again, it just comes down to what you can do. So Luka can lead a team. I think that Giannis has shown, especially in late games and big games, that he can't create enough for himself to be the guy in that sense. So I think he needs a guy like Aluka, for example, to to make him more effective. Like the talent is ridiculous, but he can't do it on his own. He needs to be set up. He needs guys that that know how to to get him in the right spots or to get him the ball in the right spots um, to take some of that attention away from him. And um, I'm not willing to put Luka as the second best player. I think LeBron is still better than him. And um, Anthony Davis is still better than him. Like There's a lot of guys that are technically better than Luka. I think that... Luca is great. I think that um, he's going to be great for a very long time. Um, I think he's very valuable to a team and to the team. But, uh, I mean, I'm not. I, it would be hard for me to sit down and do an NBA player ranking. That's what I'll say. And this uh, section of the podcast has reached 40 minutes which means this podcast is an hour and a half long. Oh, my God. Please, I'm, I'm probably going to put in my notes to, to take an intermission <laughs> when listening to this. Uh, but thank you guys again for checking in. Thank you for asking a million questions and making me stay up till 2.30 in the morning to answer them. Um, I'm going to go ahead and cut this off so you don't get completely overwhelmed by the runtime. Uh, This has been your host, as always, Mike Bibbins at Bibbs Corner, and peace.